Welcome to Ronnie Phillips Podcast. This message is made possible by the partners of Abba's House Media. Help us continue to share this message around the world about how to live free and fully alive. Visit abbashouse.com slash partner to learn more. And before you leave, be sure and subscribe to Pastor Ronnie's YouTube channel. Now, here's Pastor Ronnie Phillips. Let's get into the Word of God tonight. Pastor Ken already uh, led us in the Word through Matthew 6. We've been in a series on prayer. Uh, but before we go back to Matthew chapter 6, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 17. And this is when the epileptic boy that was falling in the water in the fire was healed by Jesus. And I just want to read this as I start my message tonight. The family brings the little child and says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Everybody say demon. And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. I'm telling you, things haven't happened in our lives because of our unbelief. I'm telling you, faith is a powerful thing. It's not just some cliche that preachers preach about. Unbelief will hinder you. It will harm you. It will keep you from reaching your destiny. I'm telling you, we need to start believing God for the more. We need to start believing God that he can do what his word says that he can do. We are so scared to believe for something. We're scared to believe God for more. We're afraid of being criticized. We're afraid of what the world might say. But there is nothing wrong with faith if you have a pure motive. We've got to start believing God for the more. But he says, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But here's the part we never quote. However, and this is what the series I've been preaching to you the last six weeks is all about. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Some demons won't leave unless you pray. Some things won't change unless you fast. Sometimes you've got to leave your prayer closet or transform your prayer closet into a war room into a place of warfare where you do business with God and you do battle with the enemy. We have got to start taking the fight to the enemy. I'm tired of the enemy winning. In your life, in my life, in our church's life, in this city, I'm tired of the devil winning. It's time we put our armor on and we take the fight to the devil. We must not forget the warfare principle when we pray. We must not forget 
that prayer is not just God give me this. It's not just supplication where you ask and you expect by faith. It's not intercession where you pray on someone else's behalf. Yes, those are all principles. They are all part of it. But warfare is a part of prayer. I'm telling you, sometimes life or death hangs in the balance and your prayers can truly make the difference. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard stories about people that were near death, but someone else, even in another city, was praying for them. They don't know how they got out of the automobile. They don't know how they didn't die when their car flipped 14 times. They don't know how these things happened. I know someone was in the war room doing warfare against the devil. And on that particular night, God won the victory. Amen? We've got to believe God for more. We've got to take the fight to the enemy. It says here in our text, Matthew 6, as we close this passage of Scripture, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, who is the evil one? His name is Satan, Lucifer, the devil, serpent. Sometimes he's even referred to as a dragon. The Bible teaches us in Ezekiel that he fell from heaven with a fire, that he dishonored God and he wanted the honor to be all his and he left that other dimension and he came to our dimension and he rules and he reigns over this earth. The Bible tells us he comes to steal, kill, and destroy the reality, though, is for those of us that know Jesus and we know that his blood was shed on Calvary, we know that the devil has been defeated. But we have to enforce and remind the devil and gloat in the victory that we have over the devil. We have to gloat in the victory. Don't be ashamed to call his name. Don't be ashamed to pray and to praise him. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of difficulties, I'm going to tell you, when you praise God, it makes the devil mad. When you give God the glory, when you're going through hell, it makes the devil mad. It shrinks the devil and his demons and his principalities and his powers back into a corner, and they become afraid to mess with you. When you walk in the boldness and the anointing of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the enemy shrieks back and realizes that he can't gain a foothold. He can't gain any entry in your life when you're walking in the anointing of Almighty God. God wants us to live as victors, not victims. So in these final verses of this text, there are a few principles I want to release to you tonight. The first one is the reality of our weakness. Everybody say, I'm weak. Lead us not into temptation. That is the prayer. Lead us not into temptation. But in James chapter 1 verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So is this a contradiction? Do these two scriptures mean opposite things? No. God tested Abraham in Genesis 22. He tested him in the area of faith. Jesus, we know in Matthew chapter 4, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be what? To be tempted. So sometimes God allows temptation to test our faith. That is the only way to explain this trial run we call planet earth. It's a test drive. It's a trial run. It's a job interview for glory. 
And you have to first understand the reality of our weakness. We are weak. We're going to be tempted. How many of you have already been tempted today? You're going to be tempted. We must learn how to trust God and put on his armor to walk through those temptations. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, everybody say a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let's talk quickly about the three ways the devil tempts us. The three ways the enemy tempts us, and we learn this from the temptation of Jesus, and I don't have time to preach Matthew chapter 4 to you, but let me just list these things for you. The first is the lust of the flesh. We know from Galatians that the flesh is, is corruption. It, it, it seeks to do the wrong things. It's prone to eat the wrong things, touch the wrong things, look at the wrong things, go to the wrong places, hang with the wrong people. The flesh is cursed. However... If we are led by the Spirit, the flesh has to follow. So the Bible says we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because we are led by the Spirit. That's what, we, that's what the anointing is all about, being led by the Spirit, being led by the, your God-given instincts on the inside of you. If you are saved, then Jesus, the hero within, the anointed one, lives on the inside of you so you don't have to fall every time you've been tempted. See, I'm a grace preacher, but I don't believe you have to fall into grace all the time. There are times you can live above sin. There are times you can live above temptation. There are times that your faith can be so strong that you can walk through fire. And you'll walk through those tests. And your faith will be as precious as gold. It's what the text says. The lust of the flesh. Not just the lust of the flesh. The lust for the world. You see, if the enemy can't get you through, the, through your flesh, through what naturally comes easy, through, through those things that you want to do, instant gratification, that instant feeling that you need. How many people have lost their reputations over five minutes? Ten minutes. Twenty minutes. Tops. People lose their whole lives over fleshly mistakes. If the enemy can't win in the area of the flesh war, then he, then he tries to get you with the world, the lust for the world, the lust of the flesh. Now let's go to the lust for the world. Maybe flesh isn't what's holding you back. Then God comes down and you, you, you have a choice. Are you going to go this direction and take everything the world has to offer? Or are you going to choose this path? Are you going to choose the narrow road? Because there are some people, they love God with all their heart. But the reason they aren't serving Him today is because they made a choice a long time ago. It's not that they stopped loving God. It's that they stopped hating sin. 
They still love God. They just don't hate sin. And at some point, the balances, the scales were shifted. And they stopped serving God because they lost their passion. And they decided to sell out to the things of this world. Jesus had that same temptation. I preached a message some time ago called Who Hijacked the Anointing? My friend Aaron, man, he, he posted that just a few weeks ago. Maybe it was this week. And it took me back because I still believe with all my heart that what the church rejects, the devil hijacks. And I believe there are gifts that have been raised up in the church. You look at Whitney Houston. You go back to Elvis. You go back to Hank Williams. You even go back to the early rap bands of the 1980s. All of them got their gifting in the local church. And when the church rejected them, the devil hijacked them. And it was the lust for the world. I believe in those chords and in those beats and in those sounds are the things of God. But the enemy has hijacked it. Those sounds were meant for the Lord. They tell us when we get to heaven, we'll hear sounds that we've never heard before. We'll hear instruments and melodies we've never heard on earth. And when the enemy is trying his best, because he's a worship leader, make no mistake about it, to hijack sounds and to mesmerize people with sounds that are only a fraction of what we'll hear in glory. I'm telling you, don't allow your gifting to be hijacked. Don't allow your anointing to be hijacked by the devil. There are some preachers who have allowed the lust for the world to hijack their anointing. Because I'm telling you, you can have 20,000 screaming your name, but if Jesus isn't affirming you in heaven, you're in trouble, my friend. I don't believe there's anything wrong with preachers having money or a big church. I hope we're going to fill this one up two or three times. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not a hater. But I'm telling you, if you're living for the applause of man, that's not much to live for. I tell you, we need to be listening for the voice of God. We need to be looking up to Abba Father, wanting his affirmation of what we're doing. Because I'm telling you, if you look to people, they'll hurt you. They'll fail you. They'll leave you. But if you look to God, he'll send you the people to get the work done. That God has called you to get done. Don't let the enemy hijack your anointing. So there's the lust for the world. Then there's the lust for power. The lust for power. Some folks, it's not the flesh. It's not the world. It's power. My father always tells this story about this country preacher that he used to eat breakfast with when he was in college and he would drive and this country preacher would whip out all the biscuits and all that stuff. And, and uh, he didn't have much education, but he was a powerful preacher. And he, he would, he would kind of mentor my father. And one time, this guy had a farm, and my father was eating with this guy. And he said, uh, and he said Ronnie, look out and look at that goat. And this goat was standing on top of an outhouse. And Dad just looked at this picture, and, and he laughed. And the preacher looked at my dad, and you see, he said, you see, preacher, that goat thinks he's something because he's on top. But he don't know what he's on top of. You see, some people would rather be on top of nothing than be under authority. 
I'm telling you, we've got life group leaders leading more people to Jesus than a lot of churches in this city. But I can't tell you how many people will leave that calling, that anointing, to try to go be on top of an outhouse. I'm going to tell you, you need to trust God to put you where he wants you to be. And there are so many people addicted to power and being in charge that they forfeit their anointing. They allow their anointing to be hijacked. I didn't even plan to go here tonight. That's one high kick. I promised y'all a high kick tonight, all right? Glory to God. I'm not even into the high kicking part yet. But I'm telling you, the lust for power. And all of these three things can work together. Listen to what James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Stop blaming God for every mistake you make. It's not the devil in the bush. It's not God. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes I just made a mistake. Sometimes I made a poor choice. And I have to pay the consequences for those choices. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit, you did it in your mind before you acted out in the flesh. Your mind already gave you approval to do it. It's, it, it's first conceived in the mind. So your mind says thumbs up and then your flesh responds. No amens on that. Y'all know I'm right. When it is full grown, brings forth death. What sin does, it, its main objective is to kill you. James 4 verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there is the reality of our weakness. Number two, the recipe for wickedness. In this one particular verse, at the closing of the Lord's Prayer, it says the evil one. The Greek is tu poneo, which we get our English word pornography from that word. And I know that 60% of pastors struggle in the area of pornography. No telling how many people in this room, how many people that will listen to this by podcast. It is an epidemic. It, it's, it's, it's destroying not, not just teenagers but adolescent children uh, from the age of eight. It, it, it's causing all kinds of medical problems for men and women across the country. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, Matthew chapter 13, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away, hijacks what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So let's give you the recipe for wickedness. First, evil thoughts or actions that are contrary to the things of God. Any thought that comes into your mind that's contrary to the word of God or the things of God that's the first ingredient for wickedness. Next, evil spirits. Yes, there are spirits. They aren't ghosts. It's not Michael Myers. It's not Jason Voorhees. Okay? They're truly demonic spirits that can live inside of you. There are principalities and powers that control regions, cities, atmospheres. If you don't Believe me, travel with me. I'm sure Misty encountered things in Mozambique. She's afraid I'm going to tell that story about the time she tried to cast out a devil and a territorial spirit punched her in the face. Did it happen, Misty? It sure did. It was, it was a territorial spirit. We were, we were laying hands on people at a crusade, and, and Dr. Collins noticed this territorial spirit in this woman and Misty was real new in the ministry then, so she went like a warrior to cast that thing out, and it punched her in the face. Scared her to death. 
But there, there are territorial spirits that hover over regions and cities. And I believe we're eat up in this country in our political system. Both sides. Principalities and powers that are controlled that don't want change, that want comfort. And I'm telling you, we need to pull these things down if we're going to see freedom in our country. Strongholds. The weapons are of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to what? Pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are house, it's a house of wrong thinking. It's when you allow something to come in through your ear gate, your eye gate, it comes in through your mind and it builds a house. It's a stronghold. It takes a stronghold of you. Maybe it's not even a something you've allowed in your mind or your ear. Maybe it's something that's happened to you. Maybe you were molested. You were abused. You were abandoned. And those things have eaten at you. And they've started to control you from the inside out. And you've become what you despise. I can't tell you how many people I know that were abused that became abusers. And they hated the person that abused them, but because they never dealt with a stronghold, by the time they were 30, they were absentee, and they were abusing someone. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to repeat patterns and cycles and strategies to destroy you and God's plan for your life. Folks, this is real stuff. This is real stuff. I've seen it. I've fought it. I fight it on a regular basis. And if you know Jesus and you're walking his path, you're going to fight the devil every day. Evil deception, especially in the name of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. This is when people deceive you through the work and through the message of God. And I can't teach you tonight how to spot that. But I can promise you this. If you know God's word and you love Jesus with all your heart and your spirit tells you something's funky, it's funky. If your spirit says that's not legit, there's something wrong. I'm not saying go gossip that to 20 people in the church, but you take that home and you pray on it. Because I'm telling you, my instincts aren't always politically correct. But most of the time when I'm walking with Jesus, they're right. And yours are too. Because it's our Father, amen? We're one. We're a church. If something's not sitting right with me, it ought not be sitting right with you. If something's not sitting right with you, it ought not be sitting right with me. The Holy Spirit will show us. We have to be in unity. Then, of course, the things we always hear about in churches, murder, adulteries, sexual sins, idolatry, Romans chapter 1. Unnatural relations for natural ones. Yes, I said it. Fornication, theft, blasphemy, spiritual sins. Spiritual sins are religious people's sins that we never preach against, but they are just as demonic as any other kind of sin. Pride, ego, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, judgmentalism. These are all just as wrong as an unnatural relationship. And they can build a house in your life just like sexual sin can. I'm not against preaching against sexual sin. What I am sick of is that we don't ever preach against the religious sins. We put up with those, but we, we only want to confront what we see on the news that's controversial. And we're all sinners and we all need cleansing. Blasphemy. Spiritual sins against the truth of God. 
the character of God and the glory of God. Proverbs 6. The six things that the Lord hates. Seventh is an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Yes, Jesus hates abortion. There is no way around it. He hates it. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. This is every and any kind of demonic spirit. Preached on Jezebel weeks ago. One of many demonic spirits. But a heart that devises a wicked plan against someone that either doesn't know Christ or is in a struggle in their walk. If you wish ill on somebody, you have a demon. If you wish ill on someone, even someone that's hurt you, you have a demon. Maybe they deserve it. Let me tell you this. If they deserve it, God will make sure they get it. Take your hands off of them and give them to God. Don't allow that demon to build a house. Get rid of that thing. Feet that are swift and running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. Some people don't do any of these things. They just lie all the time. You ever met one of those? People that lie just to lie. Like just tell the truth. And sometimes people lie about things that no one cares about. I'm not even impressed with your lie, so why did you feel the need to lie? Oh, I'm so tempted to go somewhere tonight, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Nope. A false witness who speaks lies. And here, let's get here. And one who sows discord among the brethren. This is an abomination. I tell you, I've seen this and put up with it too long in my life. I think if I have a weak area as a pastor, it's my patience for this last one. I have none. I would have more had I not grown up in church. But I grew up looking at church from the inside out. Many of you know church from the outside in, so you have a perspective. And I need to listen to you because I have no clue what it's like to sit where you're sitting and to look at things the way you look at it. So I need to respect you and listen to what you tell me. But on the flip side of that, you have no clue what it looks like from where I'm sitting. Because I have 37 years of looking at this thing from the inside out. And I'm at the place in my life where I deal with death every week. And people that I love, I'm seeing them go to heaven now. And these things are happening. Where I just don't want to fool with drama. Now, I don't care if you want to fool with it. I'm going to love you and pastor you. But I told someone last week, I said, look, I'll help you with whatever you want to do, but I'm not helping this one. If you're connected with them, leave me out of it. I don't have time for the drama. Save the drama for your mama. I just don't do it. I don't like it. I can't stand it. I get an immediate headache when I think of church drama. And I don't mean... People have issues. People need ministry. They need you to love them. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm talking about nonsense. 
I'm talking about what Paul says are disputable matters, silly rumors, nonsensical things we get upset about. You know, when someone's got a demon and they have to be a victim all the time and they have to make other people feel like they've been wounded when they haven't. Nonsense. Listen, at some point, you got to rebuke the devil. Resist the devil and get your life right with God. Number three, how do you get your life right with God? Leads us right into number three, the resilience of our weapons. God gives us the strength to bounce back, to walk through fire, to come back from a setback, and to take the fight to the enemy. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, put on, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all but stand. Sometimes all you need to do is stand. And that courage will keep the enemy from gaining victory in your life. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Take the fight to the devil. This is about warfare, friends. This is the warfare principle. Let me tell you, you need the word of God. You need the sword of the Lord. And you need to take the fight to the devil. And then I love what it says, praying always. Everybody say always. This is about prayer, isn't it? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Next week, I'm going to preach a message on praying in the spirit, on praying in tongues. I believe it will be fresh revelation for you. As we close this series. But it says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Is there more than just the same old, same old in prayer? I believe there is. I believe there's another language. I believe God can speak to you and speak through you. I'm not talking about fake. But don't tell me about fake. Every religion's got fake and every denomination's got fake and everything's got fake. I choose not to focus on the fake and to find the real. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful, eager to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So this mentions specific needs. It says the word always. It says watching. It says all perseverance. Listen, when you feel like quitting, don't quit. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. Stay in the field. In the spirit, don't lose your motivation. How do you get your motivation back? Somebody say the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and sometimes you need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. He is a well that won't run dry. Somebody say amen. And sometimes you need to go back to the well where it all began for you and get filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can receive and be what God's called you to be. And it says to all the saints, as I said, it's a global Church, we are a global church. I thank God for this body, this family, in this city, but we are connected to a global church. 
from sea to shining sea. That's why we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But not only is it our Father, it's our enemy that we're to do battle with. And it's time for the church to unite and take the fight to the devil. So we discuss the reality of our weakness, the recipe for wickedness, the resiliency of our weapons. We close right here. The reminder of our win. The last death blow that you need to deliver in prayer to the devil is just a simple reminder of who his daddy is. Of who won the victory. Somebody say amen. You see, we did this personality profile test Miss Craig had us do. And I was the only one, like, I think it was number two or three. You had like 30 different personality profiles, but we listed your top five, and my number three was competition. I think I was the only one that had that, wasn't I, Ken? I tell you, I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose. Listen, we were playing in this state championship, and on Saturday... Coach Fulmer was there, athletic director Fulmer from the Vols. And so everybody was starstruck, you know, even me. You know, I'd met him before, but got my picture with Coach Fulmer and reminded him of my high school teammate that he recruited, and he's still in touch with him, and it was really cool until we found out that Fulmer owned one of the teams and coaches one of the teams. Try getting a call to go your way when Coach Fulmer's coaching third base near Knoxville. Good luck. So Rice got the start against Fulmer's team, pitching. And, man, he was pitching good. And it was, should have been like 9 nothing. I think it was like 9-1. And the one run he gave up was on the air. And then it was Fulmer ball. We got every bad call you could get, man. I'm talking they were trying to give them the game, get them back in the game. It was awful. Kelly got heated. About got thrown out. She embarrassed me real bad. Y'all pray for her. I mean, it was real bad. The coach had to get on to her. But it was crazy. That soddy daisy was coming out in her, or at Middle Valley, I should say. But anyways, man, we, we won. But, but I'm telling you, I, I, I enjoy competition. I, I love watching my boys play. I loved coaching. Still might do it as a hobby in the future. Just enjoy that. I think it teaches kids life lessons. And I hate to lose. But I'm telling you, whether that's one of your personality strengths or not, when you're in warfare, you need to be in it to win it. And you get to a place in your praise and in your prayer life where you need to remind him who wins. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ won. We're not fighting for a victory. We're fighting from a victory. When Jesus Christ said, it is finished on that cross, every demon in hell lost. He went down. He took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. And we stand victorious tonight. We are winners, my friend. You may not feel like one, but you're a winner because of what Jesus Christ did. The word deliver means to rescue. I don't know about you, but when I was lost and on my way to hell and in sin and in bondage, man, Jesus came and he rescued me. And when it says deliver us from the evil one, man, that means that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you've been rescued from the ways of this world and you've been brought into a kingdom. 
You've been brought into a kingdom with a king, with a father that loves you and that has your back. The word also means to stop the bleeding. Man, how many of you need God to stop the bleeding in your life? To bandage you up. You say, God, I'm tired of the same old, same old. I need you to rescue me. I need you to heal me. I need you to stop the bleeding. I'm telling you, the moment you acknowledge it, God comes in. And he does the supernatural work. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She touched the hem of his garment and the blood stopped. And she became free and fully alive. I'm telling you, God will deliver you from the enemy. He'll deliver you from this earth. He delivers us, Colossians says, from the darkness of this world and brings us in to his marvelous light. He delivers us from the wrath to come, the judgment to come in 1 Thessalonians. God has delivered us. Somebody say amen. He delivers us from temptations. He delivers you. That's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 2. Yes, sometimes he will allow you to be tempted to test your faith. But when you get to the brink and you're walking and you're fighting and you're doing warfare and you're giving it everything you've got for God, he'll make a way of escape for you. He will make a way of escape for you. You just got to stay in the fight. He'll deliver you from persecution and he'll deliver you to glory when he comes back. I don't know about you, but every now and then I like to remind him who won. And tonight I celebrate the fact that we serve a risen Savior that's defeated every demon, that fulfilled every Hebrew prophecy, that's going to use each and every person listening to this message tonight and use them in a powerful way. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to kind of pray over you tonight. The first step in warfare is to just acknowledge your weakness and if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're listening to this by podcast or you're in here tonight and and you're not walking with Jesus you need peace with God I just always want to make sure that you know Jesus and I'm going to lead you in a prayer from the book of Romans the prayer is a template to help you get there it's really about your heart if you say I'm desperate for Jesus I'm desperate for the things of God I'm desperate for peace in my life And I just want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, say, forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Or Lord, just clean me up. Lord, clean me up. Lord, come into my heart and save me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. You pray something like that and you mean it. You ask God to forgive you, fill you with the power of His Spirit. The Bible says that you're going to spend an eternity in heaven with Him and you're going to have purpose on this earth. And every step you take from this day forward will be in accordance with God's plan. But many of you are already saved. And what you need to do is you need to put your armor on. You need to take the fight to the enemy. So I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet tonight all around this room. We're going to praise him for just a few minutes. And I want to pray over you before we praise him. But I'm telling you, your praise, 
your praise is a reminder of who won the victory. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And as we praise, it will be a reminder to the devil as to who God is, who he was, who he is, who he always will be. It'll also be a reminder that the devil has no legal standing in your life or in your mind and that by the blood of Jesus he has to leave. So Father God, I thank you for this great church. Father God, I thank you for all that you're doing in our city. Give you all the praise and the glory for that. Lord, I ask you to anoint each and every person in here symbolically and spiritually as I move my hand. Father, I pray that your hand would take the place of my hand and you would start anointing people right where they sit. Father God, you are so much bigger than an altar call in one, in one temple. So, Father God, I pray as my hand moves, your hand would move on people and they'd begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that demons would begin to tremble and leave, that your power would fall on them. Father God, that they would begin to cleanse their mind of the things that they've allowed to come in that don't need to be there. Father God, I pray that you'd begin to do a work in the hearts of your people tonight. Lord, we can't embrace revival until we've been cleaned up. And Lord, I need cleaning. And the people in front of me need cleansing. So, Father God, clean us up. Give us a pure heart. Give us a heart for sinners, Lord. Give us a heart for your kingdom. Give us a heart for the ministry again. Light our fire. Fill us up. Use us in new, creative ways that we know not of. Father God, we believe by faith you're opening up doors. That you're going to provide. For all of these points of light, Miami, Atlanta, Nashville, Lord, that your bank account's way bigger than ours. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd move on people to see the opportunities that are right in front of us, how we could make a difference in this world. Lord, you'd bring people to help us do what you've called us to do. Now, I put the devil on notice tonight publicly. Devil, you are a liar. You are a murderer. You are a thief. You have no legal standing in this house. By the blood of Jesus, we remind you that you are a failure and that you have been defeated and you must leave and stay gone forevermore. Somebody give God a shout of praise tonight. We're going to worship Him tonight as a reminder. Give God your biggest praise tonight as we worship Him. Thank you all. God bless you. Let's worship Jesus and remind the devil that he's a loser and a liar. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor Ronnie's message. Connect with us at abbashouse.com or ronniephillips.org. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If it has, please subscribe to our podcast. You can invest in helping others live free and fully alive by giving at abbashouse.com give. Thanks for listening.